0: Paul. I'm your host Kate Montgomery. I'm so excited to have you guys with us today. I am interviewing DeAndre Vidal today. You guys, I mean, we've never had an assistant editor on the show. I'm so excited to have you guys meet him. First of all, let me just say he is a proud Howard alum. <laughs> if you guys are listening, you can't you know. do, but he's repping Howard in the shirt. We've already talked about it a little bit. Um, so th- this man is serious about his pride and his love for HU. Um, so just let me run into you guys giving just giving you a little taste of some of his credentials. So he's a two time Emmy award winning assistant editor, a filmmaker, a mentor from Prince George's County, Maryland. Merlin, is it Merlin or is it Maryland? <laughs>
1: He has
0: Merlin. It's Merlin. It's story. Storytelling for feature-length documentaries and TV shows, including the David Boy Doc, Moonish Daydream, now streaming on HBO, Showtime's Black Monday. I know y'all know that with um John Cheadle. Um and then Hulu and FX's Wu-Tang and American Saga. What? And HBO's Berry, which we were just talking about. If you guys haven't been put on the berry yet, I mean it is so good. Uh, he also celebrates yeah. his West Indian heritage through documenting the cultural phenomenon of Trinidad and Tobago's carnival tradition. So welcome to the show, DeAndre Vidal, you guys. are Yes, so yes,
1: indeed. Oh, it's uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Tobago. You might, you might get a few, yeah. You might get a few who will say Tobago, but it's uh, it's it's Tobago for sure. Okay,
0: okay. Well, yeah, thank yeah. you for letting me know. See, I'm on the <laughs> end. Now I know what I'm talking Now I sound like I know what I'm talking about, and I love it. yeah. So, welcome to the show. first, let's just start with giving us just a brief overview of what it is that an assistant editor does.
1: for sure, yeah, yeah. um well, first, just thank you for for having me yeah um this is i didn't I didn't realize I'd be the first for your assistant editor, so I'm really um, uh, grateful. just feels grateful to to be able to talk with you. Um, yeah, uh, for assistant editors, what we do uh, is really we're the glue between the Creative and the technical processes within the editorial department for a TV um, TV show or for a film um, for the editorial department, which is the editors and the assistant editors, and outside of the department. So we're the ones who are the liaisons for the production. We're liaisons for uh, finishing team, sound team, uh, color, uh, art department. Everyone who has to communicate with the uh, editorial team, they're coming through us. And we're the ones who are going to have the know-how to understand how to connect that creative and that technical process together.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. I love that when positions are able to do that, to have a piece of the creative yeah. and then a the piece of the technical and bring those together. So what drew you to assistant editing? Was there something in your childhood? Were you storytelling? <laughs> sure. Was there something that happened at Howard? You know, what was the kind of the genesis of that?
1: Yeah. Um... For myself, I had I, been getting into technology and the arts and storytelling uh, ever since junior high. Um, I was 13 when I got the chance to work on a, um, a contest for BET. Uh, we were putting together sort of like short Black History um, Month biopics. And we, uh, my school, um, we ended up winning. Our, our project ended up winning first place. So that gave us, uh, mm-hmm. You know, a big, they gave us a big ceremony and um, a bunch of money and like equipment for our school, you know, this whole big thing. So I'm like 13 seeing all this happening, you know, in front of me for this project um, that I worked on. And I'm like, this is, this is insane. Like I want whatever this is, I want to be in this <laughs> you know, for the rest of my life. Uh, and so it's really, you know, it's been history ever since then. I've been um, pursuing Getting into TV production in some form or another uh, ever since through high school, college, I went to um, to Howard for uh, radio, television, and film uh, for my degree, uh, and then got into some freelance stuff in the DC area, and then made the jump out to LA. Uh, and so out here, I found you know I did a little bit of everything, but what, what I got the most uh, positive, consistent feedback in uh, was in my editing, mm-hmm. and so that's what drew me to say okay. I'm going to make a career out here of something. Let me really dive into to what people are responding to. Um, so I I jumped into um, the editing world and immediately um, learned started to learn about assistant editing because before then I didn't realize that was like its own whole thing. Um, before I came here uh, and before like you know I had like a couple people who would tell me about it, but I didn't really know the full breadth of what it was. Uh, so what I found was that for people who wanted to become editors a lot of uh, the editors would be birthed out of um, first taking the assistant editing role where you would get the opportunity to be in the room be in the editorial department uh, and sit under another editor and see what the whole process is like Uh, because it's very different to be in a a studio environment creating a a show or a, a movie than creating a maybe a freelance video project. Um, with the studios, you have a lot more hierarchies, more people that you that are gonna be looking at what you're working on, giving you feedback. you have to be able to know how to, to work with different executives, how to be able to consider the music choices that you're making and how they may affect your budget overall. you know uh, so there's different things that you find yourself um, working with. and of course, major, Production uh, needs. We're usually editing at the same time that a production is shooting, so that, that way, if something is missing as we're going along in the editing, we can actually communicate back to them while they're still shooting, so that they're not having to shut down and then bring everything back because something is is found later on. So, those are all processes that you wouldn't really get a chance to experience outside of being right next to an editor and seeing what they're doing. So, assistant editing became. Uh, a great way to be able to get into that space
0: awesome that's fascinating so then i mean besides starting at 13 that that feels like to me you know i always want to know what's the traditional path to assistant editing what's the What's the non-traditional path? I'm going to guess you're the non-traditional path, because I don't think many 13-year-olds are <laughs> yeah. winning major awards from, from BET. <laughs> um, so what do, you, what do you say, or what do you think is the traditional path to assistant editing? I mean, is there even a traditional path?
1: Sure. Um, I, personally, I don't think that there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's one of those positions that's still very sort of mysterious um, to get to even get into um for myself i happen to um be friends with uh someone else who was already in the role and could tell me about it and give me ideas on how to navigate it um actually uh, a good friend of mine she's um an editor now um antonia DeBarros. she's uh the one who sat me down took my resume ripped it to shreds and told me this is how you re- this is how you write a resume for assistant editing uh, and took all of my experience and um, all of my know-how that, um, you know, that I, I thought was, you know, perfectly fine the way I presented it showed me like, no, this is what it needs. To, this is how you need to format it for these people and for this industry. Uh, and so it's, um, I think, I think it's the, the traditional path is that um, it's going to be very serendipitous. It's going to be something where you're going to be Just preparing yourself for an opportunity to come up, but not necessarily knowing when or where it's going to happen.
0: Got you. Oh, that's interesting. So just having that preparation in in point. It's fascinating to me also that you were able to find someone that kind of invested in you and kind of bet on you. Something as simple as, listen, you might have the skills, but you got to know how to format a resume, right? It's so small pieces that people might not realize uh, that are really important to moving forward. Yeah, so that's yeah. Yeah, that's really fascinating to me. Um, so you you told us about being thirteen and kind of you know working with the teacher, winning the award. What do you feel like when you look back? Hindsight is always twenty twenty. What do you feel like looking back was was kind of the genesis of that for you? Not not necessarily the winning the award, but what kind of planted the seed in you to be a storyteller to be so, in, you know, invested in the creative and the technical? Is there anything when you look back, like maybe on your childhood or like you were always a storyteller or you were always interested in movies and film or something like that, that you could look back and sure. say, oh, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, I think for myself, I, uh, I just found when I started to get into video editing that I was very, I was just drawn to it. I was drawn to the ability to um, exercise my imagination um, using video editing effects. Uh, And so uh, before that, I think, you know, you can, you know, I draw as well. Um, So leveraging my imagination in that. Um, But I think just being able to get on a computer and computers, you know, even then growing up were you know, starting off with like, is uh, like showing our age, like, um, windows 95 and, oh, you know, shit. stuff like that where, you know, internet was just dial up and, you know, you had to have a one phone line and stuff like that <laughs> to be able to get through. Like computers were just interesting, you know, mm. in general. And so then being able to have a computer now be able to, uh, can change graphically how something appears on screen, uh, that drew me in a lot. Just that, that visual connection and that, that sort of visceral reaction to having something changing on screen that I manipulated, something that I created. Uh, so I think that's what drew me in initially. And then as I started to get more into sharing what I was working on and getting other people's reactions, then I started to get drawn more towards storytelling actually being able to to create something that other people could follow particularly and 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 lead to a certain um conclusion and reaction
0: yeah that's. <laughs> No, I I love that you went back to dial up because that's so that that's my generation was the you got to unplug the phone and nobody can call you because the other line is being used and it's screeching It's literally screeching (laughs) in your ear. Like I remember with computers, I was like, oh, I guess a computer we could do microsoft paint on it and like right. see some emails like you know fast forward to like a little while later it's like i guess people can shop on it to like now is you can do anything on a computer right like yeah yeah so that's yeah, yeah that's so fascinating how how far we've come there's some here that are like what probably some people that are listening i know my kids are like huh you just have to do yeah. what <laughs> yeah so right, that's right. that's so funny so what what would be your advice to people Um, coming into the industry who feel like they might be interested in some type of um, editing, working their way up, coming through the ranks, like you said, it's it's probably going to be a serendipitous process. Um, But what are some qualities or skills you think that would make people successful at being an assistant editor?
1: Uh, Being organized. That's Mm -hmm. really going to be the first thing uh, because you are, uh, like I said, you're the glue. Um, You're the person who Uh, has to have a strong grasp of both the creative and the technical end of the editing process. So you're going to be working with uh, artists and you're going to be working with technicians a lot of times. And sometimes you're going to have to be both yourself. So being able to be organized to be sort of that anchor uh, who can uh, say, okay, we have all of these things that need to be done, need to be created, but we also have these deadlines we need to meet. Um, you're going to uh, definitely need to be able to have your left and your right side of your brain working together mm-hmm. to be able to keep all of that organized. Uh, so that would, be the, that would be the first thing, It's just having a, a really great attention to detail. Uh, mm-hmm. The other side of it would be um, having a, uh, a passion for a story and for characters and seeing how characters can develop uh, and how you can uh, deliver a message uh, through this, this particular medium. Um, and even, really, if you enjoy reading, if you just enjoy stories, um, your ability to, to recognize um, what is happening with a character that that will uh, tell you something about them, by whether it be their expression, um, their tone, those are the kinds of things that you're going to be leveraging in editing as well. So even just having a great love for stories in that way is definitely going to be a quality that you're going to find um, that's invaluable when you're in that space.
0: Yeah. That storytelling piece is super important. I feel like with so many different um, professions in the industry, the backbone or at the center is usually that storytelling piece, no matter what you're doing. So yeah. we talked a little bit about your training that you went to Howard University. Um, do you feel like it? Do you feel like your degree kind of prepared you for what you're doing now or were you getting more uh on the job training when it came to when it comes to editing specifically?
1: Oh yeah, sure. Um I think it was a little bit of both. I think uh you know my my degree from Howard was my introduction to really uh collaborating in a, you know, a more adult world. Uh, you know, going to school um in DC in a city having to put together scripts that we can shoot on location um, within, you know, DC's uh, different restrictions and things like that um, definitely taught me first just what it's like to just be working in film in a, in a, in a real world environment. Um, the, uh, the, the, the details of what I really learned as a, an editor and assistant editor definitely came um, a lot on the job. Like I was saying earlier, as an assistant editor, you're you're getting a lot of exposure to different departments and you're having to be the communicator and the collaborator between those departments all the way throughout the, the filmmaking um, and TV uh, shooting process. So you're going to definitely learn some things ahead of time, just from like uh, your own projects, things that you may edit yourself. But when it really comes to being able to know What's going to be helpful for you to communicate, for you to prepare ahead of time, to organize for multiple departments? That's mostly things that you're going to learn on the job, uh, on the spot. And there were, you know, there are books that I've read as well, and that's also something where you can have people that you've met on the job who may recommend something to you mm. to be able to to give you a little bit more of a purview. But even today in this current modern age. A lot of those books were made for you know, a different sort of style, a different, uh, <laughs> a, different, a different phase of the film industry. So they can give you some like fundamentals, but the spirit of it is still, you're actually learning and familiarizing yourself with the process itself to be able to be the best collaborator.
0: Awesome. Do you find a lot of people in your industry are helpful with that? Like you were saying, you're on scene, I mean, you're on set. You can talk to people, they recommend different books to you. You met the friend and she helped you, you know, kind of retool your resume. Do you find that um, people are mostly helpful or you kind of got to figure it out on your own a little bit more?
1: Um, I find people are mostly helpful. You know, um, I've been very, very fortunate in that way that uh, the vast majority of people I've met have, in one way or another, wanted to see me succeed uh, and wanted to. Uh, to you know and, and responded to my own um, enthusiasm towards being a better collaborator uh, and so I think that when people see from what I, my experience has been everyone wants to do a good job everyone wants the project that we're working on to go well so if they see that sort of enthusiasm and energy towards contributing to that then they respond to that positively
0: awesome that's really cool so if- you're working, or you're wrapping up, I think, on Barry right now. Not to, yeah. not to, not to um, call Barry out, so I'm just going to ask you generally. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sir. Have you had a show that has helped to challenge you or kind of um, helped you to get that kind of left brain, right brain, art tech, just like perfectly, a perfect blend of both of those? And how was that experience?
1: Oh man, a perfect blend of those. Um, yes, uh, challenged me um, for sure. I worked on uh, Wu Tang and American Saga season two. Um, I would, I would say, yeah. If you, if you, to this day, I'll, I'll say, and I'm, I'm biased, but I will still say, uh, season two, episode six is the best episode of that series.
0: Ooh, um, <laughs> this, wait, a minute, wait a minute let me um you see I got my little note card let me say yes it, season two episode six yes yes okay.
1: I still say that's the best episode um and that you know, episode
0: I knew. Goes, can but. I just say I knew there was a brilliant story to be told I'm trying to think of the song but Raekwon is rapping on it and he was just he mm. was just talking about Being a bunch of, you know, a bunch of kids in a bedroom and then the RZA gets on the track and then he's talking about how he used to be depressed and, uh, oh, it's Cash Rules. It's Cash Rules, everything around. But He says life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough, but he's rapping about the situation. And I remember it was, even the rap was so cinematic. I was like, man, this could be a, this could be a movie. I want to hear more about it. And so when the, when the show came out, I was like, what? It was like so exciting. So anyway. So go ahead. I'm yeah. interrupting just to amen you. Tell me why season two, episode six, is your favorite.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. But but I will say, if you want to see, um, if you want to if 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 you want to see Wu Tang take their stories and turn them into movies, season three—that's the most recent season. It's the final season. Almost every episode of that season was a movie. It was like almost every episode. Um, season two was where we got to dive into the minds of the different um, artists themselves. Mm-hmm. So on season uh, two, episode six, we're diving into the mind of RZA, you know, the master producer, you know, the, the, the sensei. Uh, and that episode kicked my butt because we had so many elements that we had to pull together, whether it be um, music, whether it be visual, visual effects, uh, we had to wrangle all of these these pieces coming in. We also had Mario Van Peebles as a director. Who, wow! Yeah, he's a, legend. he's a he's a legend, and he's 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 known for being uh, what we call a maximalist. He likes to shoot and throw everything, you know, including the kitchen sink um, at that at that show. So he gave us so many different things to work with, uh, but that means that you know, it's all coming in each day, you know, and we got to figure out what to do with it. So that show, it it required a lot of uh, footage that was coming in at different frame rates, different speeds. Um, there's There's a scene where you have a rapper who is rapping directly into the camera while everyone around him appears to be moving in slow motion. And there's there's only one way to pull that off is to actually play back the song itself at twice its normal speed, mm-hmm. have the actor rap the song at twice the normal speed and record it at a higher frame rate. So when you play it back, it looks like the rapper is rapping at normal speed, but everyone around them is moving in slow motion and they're moving in slow motion too. So it's, it's mind blowing when you look at it. Um, but there's, uh, there's so much there that you have to to unpack technically mm-hmm. in order to execute it uh, and present it well creatively. Mm-hmm. So that episode, uh, you're also, again, going into Rizzo's mind. there's all kinds of wild things happening <laughs> <Rizzo's> <laughs> inside of Rizzo's Rizzo, mind. Yeah. you gotta yeah, you gotta watch that episode and you'll see what I mean. like it's that was a real challenge uh, for everyone to figure out like, okay, how do we pull this all together? Um, but that was that
0: was one that really sticks out for me. Oh, I love it. That sounds awesome. I can't yeah. wait to see it. I feel like RZA doesn't get his due enough. You know, especially when we talk about super producers, we're talking about Dre, we talk about Pharrell, we talk about Ye. But like, you know, I feel like Riza isn't in the conversation enough like he should be. Shout out to yeah. Rihanna, who I heard just named her baby RZA, which is awesome to me. And I think oh, wow.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I guess not just named, that may be old, but she
1: just, oh, sure. <laughs> she just told everybody
0: else. Yeah, she was like, he's a year now, I guess I could tell y'all his name is Rizzo. Right. So funny. Um, but so that was interesting when you were talking about um, working with a director that's a maximalist. So, yes. like, am I fair to assume some directors are minimalists since you said he was a maximalist? Yes. Okay, so what, what is your preference when working? Would you prefer, Do you prefer a minimalist or a maximalist and why?
1: I think it really depends on the show, mm. because when you have something as uh, you have a, a a ambition as large as getting into the mind of a, a super producer like RZA, you want someone who is going to be able to give you something that feels big, that feels bombastic, that feels surreal, you know? So having a maximalist mind to be able to, to, to know how to bring that to the table, uh, I think is really key. It's really important. And then as an editor, uh, it becomes really helpful because then now you have a lot to work with to be able to deliver that, that picture and to set up that, that image. Um, When it's a, a show that is uh, maybe more cerebral, Mm -hmm. giving you something that requires you to, to think about what's being said or what's not being said and, and lean into more subtleties. That's when I would prefer having a minimalist director. Oh. Yeah. Um particularly uh, Barry, Bill hader is a um is a director in and of himself. He's a showrunner as well. Mm-hmm. Um this this whole last season, he directed every episode. I heard and well, yeah, I heard. Uh, last season he did the season three, I worked on season three and four. And season three he did half of the episode as well. So he, ha- he is very much a minimalist when it comes to his directing style. Uh, he doesn't shoot um, too little, doesn't shoot too much. He shoots exactly what he sees and what he envisions um, for, the, uh, for, the, for the scene. And so that works for Barry because it's already a, a short show. It's 30 mm-hmm. minutes, you know, um, and He's trying to tell a very specific story, and he wants the viewer to be engaged, to actually be paying attention to each thing that's happening, things that are being said, things that are not being said, mm-hmm. uh, scenes that are coming. You know, what scene is coming after uh, the scene? Another scene. He wants you to make connections, right? And so you have to you have to yourself be engaged in that way. So he's he's not um he's not going to be the one who you know if someone is sees. Is going to grab a gun from a table. He's not going to show you the gun, and then the person looking at the gun, and then the gun, and then the person reaching for the gun. (laughs) Right. Um. You're going to see that gun at the very top of the scene, and then you're not going to see it again until it's going to be used. Right. So that's the way that he shoots, um, and that's what ends up getting delivered. So on that kind of a show, what you end up leaning into is not so much trying to create. Um, these big uh, bombastic type of images as much as you are leveraging what you've been given and looking for the subtleties mm. that make difference um, different beats within the story stand out
0: wow, that's that is fascinating so then how how much I, you have to have developed some type of shorthand as an, as an assistant editor then seeing his stuff especially working with the same director I mean you articulate his vision so well right like so you've been doing that for the whole season. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that experience is for you, knowing what his eye is, knowing what he shot, what he likes to see, how episodes with him directing normally turn out or come out. What's the sure. experience like for you as an assistant editor? Is it like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I know exactly what he wants. Like, <laughs> Oh, no, not at all.
1: Because um, I think it's it's also what... What Bill Hader has done with Barry is also something that's sort of rare for television these days, where you do have a show that's presenting a story where uh, there are subtleties mm-hmm. to it versus a show that's really kind of spoon feeding you everything that you you know that it wants you to pay attention to. Yep. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm I'm constantly even up to the uh, the last um, the last episodes that I worked on. I constantly have to remind myself what kind of a show <laughs> I'm working on, because it's so easy to say, oh, "Okay, this is you know this is X Y Z sort of story," and sort of try to apply that that stencil from you know what, what, what might be a more common sort of um, TV show mm-hmm. presentation and say, "Okay, this is how I should approach that." Like for myself, I do a lot of the sound design for. Um, my editor Mm -hmm. so if I'm doing if she's cut a scene together um, and she wants me to put sounds together she wants me to put music with it I have to consider am I leveraging the sound to be able to tell something that's subtle within Mm -hmm. the scene Mm -hmm. or am I using music in the scene or or not there have been there was there was a uh, an episode this past season where my uh, editor asked me to uh, to score it, you know, just lay out some music, come up with something, you know, it'd be interesting for the whole the whole episode. And as soon as Bill came in to work with us on that episode, he said, uh, "I want to do this episode with no music." Wow! <laughs> you know, and so it was like, oh, okay, all right, you know. And that's the editorial process, you know. It's like it's just going to be um, very experimental all the way till the end, you know. And so uh, it's still very much a thing where we're learning and understanding his particular approach, um, and understanding, like, what does he actually want to emphasize in a scene, um, versus not, because it's, it's, it's very rare. It's not very common that you have someone who's, who's taking that approach to television, especially a comedy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, especially a comedy. That's what just blows my mind about it. I mean, comedy, dramedy, you know, in that 30 minute format is just crazy to me. So then how often are you doing are you are you picking out music as an assistant editor how often are you laying down a track coming up with that i didn't realize that was part sure. of the position as
1: well oh yeah sure so the assistant editor is um and and being able to um to support both the, the the creative and the technical process what we'll find ourselves doing when it comes to the actual edit a lot of times is sound design if our editor um in particular, my editor Ali Greer, um, she's fantastic. She's brilliant all by herself, and she uh, also gives me opportunity to to cut scenes, put something together, you know, get feedback from her, uh, and see um, how uh, how that how she might thought have thought about a scene versus how I might have thought about it, versus how Bill might think about it. So we'll uh, collaborate in that way, uh, but a lot of times we're also just uh, focusing specifically on the sound design being put together uh, and the music, um, the music will become something where after really kind of other things, technical organization, all that stuff is, is done. If there's time, then I'll be able to jump into something like music. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, I think what this season, uh, episode seven. Yeah, there's a, there's a drop, um, a drop being a, um, a, a music cue from uh, The Ohio Players, uh, a really nice, real nice um, funky uh, song that I put in um, very early on uh, in our, our cut process um, that managed to make it all the way to the to air. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, uh, and so we were, you know, looking for different music that would fit that scene. And I was like, well, oh, this song is it. This has to be it. Um, and so, yeah, and it just, and it stuck, you know? Yeah. And so every now and then you get lucky <laughs> and, you know, some idea that you have actually
0: sticks. that's you know, wild know. you dug in the crate for that one i remember my parents having the ohio Players yeah. like i like straight up album like ah you yeah. just have yeah. wild album covers oh that's really cool yeah. so i like to ask everybody what are you currently watching slash enjoying in tv film either one right
1: now oh sure yeah um I currently am watching, uh, currently just finished watching uh, Mrs. Davis, it's a show on Peacock. Uh, it's the again. nun, right? Yes, it's the yeah. nun. Yes, it's the nun. Uh, the nun who is trying to defeat an all-knowing AI. Uh, so yeah, um, my my friend uh, Antonia um, was one of the editors on that show, um, did a fantastic job with that, that season. Uh, so I'm watching that right now. Um, watching class of 09. Um, it's yeah. the show about the, uh, yeah. an the FBI Therese. class. Yes, yeah, Brian you, Henry. Um, loving that uh, right now. Um, let me see. On the film side, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've watched any films, any particular films that stuck out lately. Um, oh, but on the doc side, uh, Dear Mama, the, uh, the two um Yeah, incredible incredible. I have not seen again that combination of technical and um creative uh storytelling. I have not seen something that's um been that level of an amazing uh doc presentation um and I don't know how long. Like it's it's incredible.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you know I love a good doc. I love a good doc. Yeah. And I was just just starting that too like. I think I'm like the first episode in. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, so any parting words you have, we're well, wrapping up any parting words you have for, um, our listeners who may be interested in assistant editing, kind of standing on the sidelines, kind of being interested, wanting to know, you know, I don't know, just any last words of wisdom.
1: Sure. Um, reach out and connect with people. You know, that's, that's really the biggest thing is that as an assistant editor you are going to be a master collaborator. So you're you're, um, very much your identity in that space is going to be connecting with people. So if you're interested, for sure, you can reach out to me. Uh, I'm going to be around, (laughs) you know, and and I always love to be able to to put people on um, the, uh, you know, there's always going to be people out there who, if you ask questions, um, they're going to, uh, keep you in mind, and they're going to you know find a way to help you out. Uh, it's just a matter of putting yourself out there to let those people find you. Um, and I think that's really the uh, the 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 main motivation I think that can that can help move you forward is just put yourself out there and you'll you'll get connected with the right people.
0: Yeah, that's awesome advice. Well, here, I consider you coming on the podcast to be a service because this is truly just what what I'm here to do is just expose different facets of um, the filmmaking process to people who may not have access to that information. And so why is giving back so important to you?
1: Giving back is important to me because I recognize the people who have given so much to me. Um, my, uh, my first TV production teacher in junior high, uh, Jerome Tucker, uh, my TV production teacher all through high school, Kathleen McGlue, uh, my professor's, and at Howard, um, especially Sonia Williams, um, my, my professor for audio for visual media, which is what I do a lot of sound design. Um, uh, you know, those are those are people who have really, you know, propelled me forward uh, and, and invested in me. Uh, Ali Greer, uh, who I've been working with as an editor um, uh, for uh, the last, I guess what four years now. Um, you know, so. Um, it's it's uh without a doubt, other people who are who have gone out of their way uh, to give me more than they really had to um, and have invested in me and, um, and returned that same energy that I've given to them uh, has uh has inspired me to want to be um, that kind of person as well
0: So awesome, all right, I love it. so you guys check out DeAndre Vidal. He already told you you can hit him up. You know it's not like a bunch of DeAndre Vidal's on Instagram, so you guys are going to be able to follow him real easy. Yes, yes. (laughs) You'll you'll know him. Yeah, I was like, you'll know him when you find him. So thanks so much for joining us today. As I always say, and it never changes, stay black and keep dreaming, y'all. Special thank you to Kalah for our theme music and for editing on this episode.